Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of the podcast is with my good friend, Martin Martin. And this one, we dive down the rabbit hole of hallucinogenics, of martial arts, hallucinogenics again. And then we just kind of go into philosophy and our, our life experiences. Both of us grew up in some gritty, gritty situations. And uh, I think that we left those situations with some pretty, pretty awesome perspectives. And it was great to hear him uh, share his ideas and philosophies. And I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Esoteric Gladiator. I am your host, Jeremy Lipsy. Today, I'm joined by a good friend who I call Martin Martin, or uh, Martin. And uh, yeah, man, uh, I'm, I'm stoked to have him on. This is, uh, this is my first podcast, bro, and this is uh, the first one I'm doing. Well, I think you're going to do great because... You, you're the only one who loves me. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you might be right. Uh, Probably. Freaking. Uh, so Martin and me met like shit. What, fourteen, fifteen years ago? Uh, at a sh- at a Blaze Smith gig. Yeah. So I just had Blaze. Two thousand seven or so. I just had Blaze on the podcast. Uh, like. He was the last podcast I did, and it's and it's 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 episode fifty four. Uh, Blaze the Asian is what I called it. Blaze kept, the Asian. He well, he kept talking about how Asian he was, and I just was like, you know, Blaze, I'm gonna call this podcast Blaze the Asian. Uh, <laughs> so I did. Um, that that guy is uh, he's an artist if I've ever met one. Man. I know, and like every facet of the word, like he just the kid is just pure creativity. He really is. Uh, that's why. That's why I had him on. I was like, "Well, he's fucking my brother from another mother, and he's just the most fucking incredible artist." So, you know, how could we not get Blazo on? Um, yeah, for sure. So Martin, when I met Martin, Martin was a cage fighter, right? Uh, well, ish. N- so. I kind of, I fell into the sport and just like I fell into the sport, I fell into teaching and, um, cause I was doing, I was, I was working on, uh, I was trying to build my strength and conditioning business and I started training a fighter uh-huh. and then I started training them at the gym and they say, Hey, why don't you stick around and hop in on a class? So I started rolling a little bit and I just got hooked, but How then, old were you? uh, uh, I was I was like 28. Okay, so happened. for perspective for the audience, me and Martin are literally the same age. We're three days apart. Martin's three days older than me. Yeah, you're the ninth, right? I'm the ninth. You're the sixth. Seventy six. Yeah. Capricorn. Us. Um. So, so you're twenty yeah, six. So I, I was I was twenty twenty six, twenty eight, twenty seven, somewhere okay. in that ballpark. And uh, then I started, after I'd been rolling for a while, I started filling in, teaching, you know, like beginner classes and stuff like that. 
and uh, and I really I fell in love with teaching. And as I was training, I was teaching, and as I trained more, the level of students I was teaching went up. And then it got to the point where um, all the guys that I was training, both in strength and conditioning, and the guys that I was coaching in, in MMA were were competing. And I had no idea what that felt like. So I took a handful of fights, um, more so to be a better coach than it, than it ever was that I was trying to be a fighter. That, that they're they're a different breed of guy. They've got a they've got an off switch that I don't have. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, think... I was really just trying to be a better coach. But yes, I was training full time when you met me, and I was competing still. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Martin used to train me a lot too, and uh, you know we, uh, you know we became tight that way. And then I tattooed you a bunch, and yeah, a bunch. And we hung out a lot, and we just had, you know, we always had a lot in common, you know. Um, and then what? I was bringing family members to get trained by you, friends, yeah. and yeah, yeah. I've trained most of your, most of your immediate family. Yeah, <laughs> crazy, huh? Yeah. How lo- so? How long would you say that period? And was that when you were living in Chicago? Yeah, that's when it started. I started training. If you get, if you've ever watched it, like the uh, the original UFCs, yes, the first couple. There was a guy named Keith Hackney. They called him the Giant Killer. He fought this big, six hundred pound, just monster. He beat him. Uh, I think I remember. Did he have a mustache? No, he had a he had a mullet, um, but uh, but uh, he ended up he ended up going all the way. Gracie tapped him out, but they, it was up to him and Gracie for the for the championship. And he was pounding on Gracie, but you know how Gracie is. Yeah. I mean, he'll take the beating, and eventually he's gonna fucking catch you, and he knows it, you know. Uh-huh. But uh, so so that was my first coach. Those guys were working out at a gym that at the gym that I got certified for. Uh, in training for and that's where i was starting to build up the strength and conditioning stuff um and that was in chicago i think that was 2002 three two or three or ish somewhere in that ballpark wow um so you grew up in chicago right yeah outskirts of chicago like what was uh, that like um as far as I mean, Chicago just, itself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like your childhood, and you know, so we can oh. get a, a better understanding of who who Martin Martin is there. Oh, um, you know, it's. I had a pretty decent childhood. I mean, I had a single mom. We moved around a lot. You know, if she depended if she had like a boyfriend that we lived with, and we. Just, or not, or if we were living with family or stuff like that. So I often lived with like, you know, a bunch of people in the house, my aunts and uncles and cousins and all sorts of shit like that. So I'm an only child, but you know, kind of not really. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, Chicago, I mean, it was, it was, I guess nobody was really too concerned with being too involved with anything we were doing you know what i mean like the kids like go outside and play you know and it was that kind of mentality we would yeah. take off on our bikes and be home when the street lights come on but nobody yeah. was i mean there was a piano in the house and 
all I wanted to do was play music. And, and it was, I was, it was years before I even knew that anybody in the house knew how to play the fucking thing, you know? Um, so it wasn't, uh, but, 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 and I say that like not to talk shit or say like, Oh, we had a rough life because at the end of the day, you know, they loved us and they, and they, they did the best they could by us. You know, they were good people. They treated us good. They didn't beat us. They didn't fucking, you know, break us down or anything like that. It was yeah. just, you know, they were just normal everyday blue collar people trying to make it by and, and trying to, you know, do their thing. So it wasn't like bad. They were just not really, you know, nobody was the, the, the dad who goes outside and throws the football around with you. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it was, when I was a kid though, like my dad, he was around, he went on, he went on location a lot for long periods of time, but, when he was around, like, you know, after I had my siblings, I didn't want him to be around because he just got, he was, he was overwhelmed, man. So, yeah, he'd come home and he'd, he'd dig into my ass, man, and fucking, so a lot of times I was stoked when my dad wasn't there. Now we got a great relationship. I love the man to death. I'm grateful for everything, you know. But, um, my dad, my dad died while my mom was pregnant, so I never had that. And that was the other thing too is like I spent a lot of time with family, even when we weren't living with family, because it was like I was often kind of pawned off on whoever could watch me while my mom was working. Because again, she had me at sixteen, you know. Yeah, I think my mom had me at seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, I think we talked about that. I think you were almost talking about yeah, that. Yeah, you and me have. I mean, aside from the fact that we're born the same year, three days apart. Um, we've got a lot of similarities, similarities in our life. Yeah. Both of us are fairly well-rounded artists. Um, both of us were good with the ladies. <laughs> I, I have been accused of such. Uh, and both of us loved martial arts. Yeah, I think that's why I got so into MMA when I did because I mean, I grew up doing karate and taekwondo, and I wrestled, and you know all that stuff. So it was, you know, I kind of took to it. You know, how long did you wrestle for? Mm, just like three or four years, and then uh, then they told me that ages? I needed to. Uh, it was eighth grade, freshman, sophomore year, and then they then they I started trying to grow my hair out for my rock band and they told me to cut my hair and I was like, eh, I can't do that. I got this rock band thing. <laughs> and that's when wrestling so, ended. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Oh man. You sold your soul for rock and roll. Yeah. That's been the, my, the, the story most of the time in my life, I think. <laughs> yeah. But then, I, but then I traded it off the other way. Cause when I, when I, when I started coaching, and doing the the strength and conditioning and that started getting real busy and that was paying my bills and that was uh fun and it was a new passion and it was completely real in a completely different way than than you know the music world was very very and we were we were at the low end of it you know we were small time still um big fish little pond you know but but it was it, 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 everybody was so all the the 
promoters, just like anything, any kind of promoter, yeah, you know, is just kind of a you know, they're they're it's just that, that shit bag personality, lazy. Um, you know, and I don't, and there's, there's good promoters and there's cool promoters and there's, and, and, you know, it's different in different genres, but I find generally fight promoters and, you know, music promoters are the same beast. Um, Grease but, uh, bags. I was, I was so just fucking over everything with the music business and the lifestyle and everything else. And, and I was getting real heavy into training and, and, uh, and so at that, at that point I traded, traded it the other way. I went back to the the fighting and the martial arts and and put music on the back burner and play for like almost ten years. Wow! When did you start playing again? Uh, after I got hurt again this last time. Um, Was it neck injury? Yeah, it was a more like a re-injuring of it, and but it's just I ended up really fucked up again. And uh, well, uh, well, oh, this is your podcast, so I guess we're 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 no holds barred here, right? Yeah, I know. Whatever you want to fucking okay, talk so, about, talk about it. So after getting hurt again, um, and I'd been dealing with like the severe depression shit and the suicidal thoughts and all that shit, and I've dealt with that on some degree my whole life, but it gotten really bad. And after I got hurt again and, and wasn't sure how good I was going to actually get back to feeling. How um, old were you? 40, going on 40. Okay. And uh, This was recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is this is the beginning of the big turnaround was was right around right before my 40th when I got hurt again. And then I was getting really to the end of my rope. And I started uh I started trying to do uh, do the uh, therapeutic use of psychedelics, and uh. that's when I did I did DMT. And when I was in DM, when I they talk a lot about because I really really researched it because I've always been afraid of psychedelics. I've never yeah me I, too. I've never really done and I've done before. crazy ones, low and yeah. It's about yeah. facing your and, fears uh, a lot of times. It really is, and and I guess I just wasn't ready to until that moment. But I had done my research really heavily before I, I decided to do it. And and one of the big things when you're using psychedelics therapeutically is intention. You know, you know that as well as you know anybody else. Yeah. And, and uh, so I had all these things that because I'd heard all these things about like there's these like entities or beings or something that's there, this intelligence that's there, and you can ask it questions and it'll help you. And so I had all these these questions and the only thing I could remember in there was that I was only miserable because I wasn't playing music really and that that was the whole point because I always I one of the reasons I stopped playing is because I've always considered myself kind of a hack musician uh-huh. And I was surrounded by so many people that were just so fucking talented, and I just thought I suck. I can't do this. I'm but no good at it. You know what's fucking crazy and, is is you and me went to a party. Fuck, it must have been nine, eight, nine years ago. It's was, it was right before I moved to Hawaii, and freaking uh, at that party, these guys were having a jam sesh, and they had all these different instruments. And like I remember, you were in the room and I was out there drinking and talking with Benny and 
Bianca and freaking <laughs> and uh, and then I would walk in every once in a while. And one time I walk in, you're on the guitar. I come back a few minutes later, you're playing the fucking drums. I was like, oh shit, Martin can fucking play all these different instruments. That was yeah. See, that was and that, I remember that jam, and that was like in the middle of I hadn't played anything in for like months. You know, and uh, but I remember that that was at that uh, the house where they all lived, that blue house in, in North Hollywood or something. Yeah, yeah, North Hollywood. With Yvonne the, was like living there. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Um, with uh, I forget Homeboy's name, but yeah, I remember that. They they used to have some good jams over there. They had some good fucking parties there. Mm-hmm. I don't remember whose party it was. I think it might have been for Blaze's birthday or something. Did. Didn't didn't they have a birthday party there for him, or did you not go to that? It was Man, massive. There was I like... went to so many parties at that house. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, they had a few good parties there because there was so many different people that were in that crew that were living there at least for a time, you know. And yeah. every time somebody moved in or out, they had a party. It was kind of one of those houses, you know. What's crazy is when Blaze was on the other day, we were talking about his mother, rest in peace, Yvonne De La Vega. Uh, we send you love wherever you're at, but she took me and then, I, I, bro, I can't even tell you how many of like the most epic parties in LA she took us to. I could totally see that. Yeah, she. I mean, all over the Hollywood Hills, random fucking mansions, ma random crash pads, ra you know, rent, you know, just apartments and fucking beverly hills like just the craziest shit like we were we were just we were it was uh god before the pandemic so maybe it was like a year ago mm -hmm. i was chilling at blazes i went over to blazes house to go jam a little bit and uh it was like one o'clock in the morning bianca called us and she's like hey I'm at a friend's house. We're doing a little jam party over here. Come on by, bring your instruments. And so we came over. We went to this fucking random jam session house party. And, and yeah, we're driving over there. I'm like, where the fuck is this? And Blaze is like, oh, it's up in the hills, bro. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. Big ass fucking mansion, you know. And yeah. it's just a bunch of fucking dudes just jamming. Yeah, it's, it's, good yeah it's crazy. Like, that's, that's the way it was. It, Bianca was living in this crazy ass mansion up on the hill one time, too. I remember... We, I don't know if you were there or not, but it was like a New Year's Eve party, and they had like a magician. They had all this shit there. It was, it was fucking incredible, no. man. The Smiths always treated me like family, and always like brought me to the craziest parties and the craziest gigs at fucking bars and crazy late nights in Hollywood and clubs, and it was nuts, man. I can see that. I, I remember uh, Yvonne, because you're a house painter. You've been painting houses now, huh? Yeah, well, I painted houses. That's what I was doing before I started training. I started painting houses when I was like 18. Uh, yeah. I've always kind of done it on the side, even when I was training. It's always been kind of a side gig. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I, uh, I I really I went back and forth with wanting to open like a boxing gym or something like that. But uh I really just want to focus on playing music. So, so I'm enjoying the, uh, no responsibility. It's been like 20 years since I've had a job where I just show up 
put in a solid day's work, go home and get a paycheck at the end of the week. Yeah. And then that's it. There's no, I'm not up studying fucking kinesiology and biomechanics and, uh, and nutrition. And I'm not, you know, you know, <laughs> hey, you helping can, fighters hey, you can, cut weight. And you can be the plan. shit bag you were born to be there, Martin, Martin. I can be a fucking lazy musician. Yeah. Um, I was... Because I used to paint houses too, you know. I think, I think a lot of our crew did that. Uh, it's a common artist fallback. Yeah, because it's a it's There's actually always a, work. It's actually a really cool job too, you know. You just sit back and stroke a brush, listen to a podcast or music, and do your own thing. Zone out, right? Uh, yeah, I've done I've done some jobs, man, and and. I'll tell you, it's not it's not a bad way to, to blow off a day, you know, painting houses. It, the Most of the work isn't that hard. It's just a fucking gig, you know what I mean? And I'm working for a really cool company, man. Almost everybody in the company is a musician. The bosses are musicians. Oh, rad. Um, and they feel like, like one of my bosses was saying, like, your job should facilitate your life, not be your life. So they're real big on, like, we work eight hours and we go home. We're not working all the time. We don't usually work weekends. Sometimes something comes up, you know, but, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. There's so, so, and that's a, that's a big part of it too, man, is hooking up with a good company. That's got a cool crew, you know, that you can deal with hanging out and swapping paint on walls for a few hours. Um, and, and speaking of painting houses and blaze and Bianca and everything, uh, Yvonne had got us this gig to paint the Avalon down in Hollywood. Um, and she was like pretty good friends with the owner John Lyons of the Avalon, and he was good friends with Dan Aykroyd. So we paint the Avalon, and then I get a call like two months after we paint the Avalon, and now all of a sudden we're gonna go paint Dan Aykroyd's house, and it's up. Oh, in, cool. Yeah, it's up in the Hollywood Hills, and we'd been going for a few days, and it was in the middle of summer, and we get up there one day. It's just me and my best friend Ryan. It's, I know I'm going to get my balls busted for this story, but it's me and my best friend, Ryan. I mean, we've been buddies since we were like 15 years old. Um, and we go up there. It's miserable hot and fucking we're waiting for everybody to show up. We're like the first people there, right? So Dan Aykroyd at the time is out of town. Like there's nobody at that house. He wasn't going to be back for like another week or something or a few days or whatever. Um, but... Ryan pulls out a joint. We, we smoke this joint, and then fucking he says, he says, man, it's so fucking hot. I'm about to fucking take all my clothes off and jump in this fucking pool. So there's this pool there. There's this there's this pool there that was like this dark bottom pool that like looked like a fucking lagoon, and it was surrounded by all these beautiful trees and shit. It literally. It was like had it was like a stone bottom pool or something. And there's a water slide there and everything. He said that and turned around and he was hitting the joint. And after he said that, I was like, "Fuck this!" I just kicked my shoes off. I got fucking asshole naked and jumped in that pool. And he was like, "He's like, bro, I was just joking, man. We could get in trouble for this." I was like, "Man, fuck this shit. How many times am I gonna get to say I got to go skinny dipping in fucking Dan Aykroyd's pool?" I turned the fucking water slide on. Next thing you know, he's in there, and we're fuck. We were like literally just fucking 
we're we're literally fucking skinny dipping and and it's not i know it sounds so fucking gay but whatever i don't give a shit it was my best friend and uh I we must have swam for like three to five minutes, and we fucking jumped out of the pool, fucking dried off. That's hilarious. Went to painting, and then a couple of days later, Dan showed up, and then um, we met him. He seemed like a really nice guy. He was actually a really nice guy. And he's then, way into the aliens. What's that? He's way into the aliens. I know. I've I've heard. I think he did a podcast with Joe Rogan about that. Yeah, he did. Um, but uh, I met Fran Drescher over at his house, and I always thought she was just the hottest fucking chick. But uh, yeah, she's kind of yummy. What uh, what happened was is like I don't know. We were painting, and we were there for for a couple weeks. Um, and then Dan comes down one time, and he's like, "Hey, how you guys doing? You good? This and that." And he's like, "Hey, can I buy you guys some pizza? This and that." And we're like, "Fuck yeah, man!" He bought us some pizza, and then we smoked some fucking weed with him. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, and then I found out later my buddy freaking Andy was like selling weed to Dan Aykroyd for like months after we left that job. Like our our buddy <laughs> Ad, Andy that was working on that job. Yeah. Yeah, the fucking Smiths. We always had crazy adventures and I don't know, man. Uh So you're out in frickin' uh Carolina now, right? Yeah. And yeah, Ash well, just outside of Asheville. So I left Hawaii, what, like three and a half, four years ago, about four four or four and a half years ago. And then I would come and I was traveling for like sixteen months. And every time I would come to town, I would come and train with you, right? You train yeah. me. And yeah. uh, so I was traveling all over, and then I wound up here in Port Angeles. And then you started traveling and doing music, right? Right. Well, you know, because it's funny because that all coincides, man, because right, right when you came back from Hawaii was uh was right before i did my my when you were when you were traveling when just before you moved to port angeles you were traveling for a while and when you were doing that whole you came back to la i remember for a, a short time before you went back up to port angeles but you that was when uh that was when i was just starting all that uh, psychedelic journeys and that's when i did my first my uh vipassana oh yeah and uh and all that so did the that vipassana right the help time. at all i thought the vipassana was was amazing um and i'm one like uh, i'm skeptical about everything i believe so i'm just kind of like skeptical about a lot of things and, and especially like i've got like i've got a, a like i'm not trying to sound like I'm, I'm not talking shit about anything i think that uh that you know people are going to be people no matter what so things just kind of end up a certain way but there was a lot of people there that were kind of culty about it and yes it was like and so i had to i had to kind of get past that because it throws up my guard when i get that culty vibe it throws up my guard but then like somewhere around the the middle of the second day i came to this realization that it didn't i was wasting too much time thinking about other people's intentions there and it was distracting from my ability to get everything that I needed to get out of my time there. And yeah. so I, I really just let go of all of like, okay, yeah, there's, there's culty aspects to it. I get it, but I'm going to take advantage of the, the, the 
quiet time and the the collective energy of of the meditations and everything like that and i i thought it was life-changing really i mean there was so and it was such a, a good time for me to do it too and um i i thought it was uh wasn't that around the time you were yeah, I thought it was great smoking all that dmt what's that I said you were smoking a lot of dmt at that time too huh no, I had only done it once at that time. So this is how it coincided. This is how I planned it out this what well, I planned it out this way cuz I had in that whole journey of trying to get over that stuff and and you know, uh get over the depression and all this and this and that and the other thing. And um uh deciding that I was going to do psychedelics, I kind of I, I booked that first Vipassana and that was for December 14th or 15th or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I, I, and then I got the, the DMT and I got the mushrooms and I did my first hero's dose of mushrooms, uh, which is 3.5 grams. No, uh, seven grams or more. Oh, Jesus. Um, uh, alone in silent darkness. And, uh, after Vipassana, that, you did that? No, I did that a month before Vipassana. And how was and then that? Two weeks before Vipassana, I did um, DMT. So and how was that? How and, was the he and then I did the, the hero's dose. Yes, tell us about that. That was, um, that was, wow. Um, it was the beginning of of the big turnaround for me um you uh well so i i ate them and then i was sitting in in my chair and i did put on headphones but i was i just had on these uh the binaural beats or something like that they're uh -huh. just tones yeah i know what they are and um and it started to kick in really hard and then the nausea kicked in really hard. And one of the things that, like I said, I'd researched a lot before I decided to do this. And one of the big things they say was don't fight the nausea. If you got to puke, puke, it's purging. If you got to shit, yeah. shit, it's purging. Yes. And, uh, so I went into the bathroom and I stripped off all my clothes and I sat down and it was, uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I was like crying and, it was explosive and crying and sweating and snot running down my yes. face and limp bodied and it's, and it smelled. So I opened the window and I could hear that there were people in the building next door outside. And I knew they could hear me doing what was going on in there. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. so there was this moment of like having to get over my ego so that I wouldn't hold back and then fuck it if they could hear me. And then, uh, and then I, I, I finished that and kind of cleaned myself up that from that, but I was still really nauseous. So I didn't want to leave the bathroom. So I just laid down on the cold floor, which felt great. And I pulled a bunch of towels over me like blankets and, uh, I closed my eyes and I, I, you know, how like when you're like meditating, sometimes you can feel like the energy in your third eye. Yes. I do third you eye know, meditations. So like I could, I could feel that I could feel that pulsing and and I I turned around and looked inside myself and this is all eyes closed you know so uh -huh. this is all you know the visuals from the, the, the mushrooms and I turned around inside myself and I swam down into my stomach to meet my warrior 
But then on the way, I got to my heart and I just started laughing hysterically at the idea of me laying there naked on the bathroom floor. Uh-huh. And there was this, uh, this little, it's called an inward facing Buddha. He's a Buddha. He's all balled up inside himself. Um, it's a little wooden figurine that we have, like, a, uh-huh. a, a, you know, and uh, I realized that, that I needed that for some reason. I needed that for this trip. And so I was laying on the bathroom floor and I'm completely naked and covered in towels and I'm, and, and, Nicole was in the other room and she was doing her own thing at the counter, just there if, you know, just quiet there if I needed anything. And uh, I got up and I walked out and I had first at first I had to laugh at myself and the hilarity of like everything. I don't know why. Yeah, it was so hilarious. But I get up butt naked. I walk out the towel still hanging off my head. I grab the Buddha. And I look at her as I walk back into the bathroom and I go, I need this. And I walk back in and as I hear as I'm shutting the door, I hear I go, that makes sense. So, you know, and I shut the door and I laid back down and I got under my towels and then I turned around and I swam down into my stomach and I met my warrior. And uh, we had this really intense conversation about like past lives and how many lives we've been fighting this suicidal thing and, yeah. and, and why I can't do it again and why I just have to make it through and, and, I, I was asking for help with, with healing and I wanted to go fight these demons. And he was like telling me like, you don't understand, like you're not, you're, you don't understand how this works. You're, you're, you're like, I see you're on this charge to slay these demons, but that's not how it works. And, and like, we have to get out of this cycle. And so, uh, dude, I got a story for you after this one, go on. So we had this long conversation and then, and then I, I, called out one of my what I was still calling a demon at that point and this kind of figure showed up and was like enraged with me and uh, yelled at me and, and basically chastised me for trying to play games I don't understand and um, but then there was this then we went back into because the warrior he was kind of like in this like you imagine like a gladiator's chambers you know and uh, then we had this talk and he like explained the things to me and and then had this talk about like doing the deal when I do the DMT, you know, and yeah. then, uh, I go to Vipassana and like, you know, all this stuff. So yeah, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty wild and it was definitely a big turnaround. So at this one point when I was in Kauai and, uh, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to get to do ayahuasca about seven times while I was out there. And, um, I, like you, terrified of hallucinogens, and my experiences with mushrooms are very similar to what y- you went through with yours. Like, I cry, I, I, and then and then, yeah. then the laughing happens. I always get nauseous. I love crying on psychedelics. It's so freeing. Yeah, it's because, well, because it's probably hard. Hard. I have a horrible time trying to cry. It's, like, impossible. Right, right, right. But then on psychedelics, I cry, and it's just like, oh, I feel physically lighter. Yeah, <laughs> it, it literally, you purge this this, this depressed, angry, hurt energy. Because mm-hmm. that's really what anger and depression is. It's just hurt. Um, right. But I wind up getting invited to go do this ayahuasca journey at a, a relatively well-known um, raw foodist's uh, house. And... He grew the vine and the leaf, and um, we did this ceremony there. And uh, they get, so 
they brought in these maestros from out of town that you know had like trained for extensively in the in the rainforest it was a guy and a girl and um you know i helped them pound vine and cut leaf and you know get spring water because we decided well i brought the idea up to these guys i was like well if we it's it's island grown ayahuasca we might as well get water out of the spring and the reservoir over there like so it's like pure island juju and they're like oh that's a brilliant idea it wound up in the end where we literally because you got to boil it for like 24 hours before you can drink drink it to where it gets really thick like like molasses 80 gallons of 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 island spring water to that we had to boil down over a 24-hour period crazy huh um but in the end it i don't know i think they boiled it down to like a couple of gallons of medicine or whatever i don't remember um but uh so we have the ceremony there's like eight of us there and uh they serve us a shot glass I go back, I sit back, and it's like, it's been like an hour, and all it did was was just make me really emotional and feel really, like, stranded within myself. I, di- I didn't, I didn't uh, bust through the ceiling on this one, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. that happens when you drink ayahuasca. You can, you can take a shot glass of it, and it doesn't affect you the first time. And right. then an hour, two hours later, they'll offer you another one, usually. Um, and, uh, and then they, you might not even get as much the second time. And you will just shoot through the cosmos if the cosmos exists. Uh, and so this, they offered a second serving. And I, I'm, I don't, I'm not, wouldn't say that I love hallucinations. I love them. I don't enjoy them. Right. It's hard work for me. It's always me having to drop my ego and drop my guard. And, you know, eventually, finally, when that happens, which is the hardest part of the journey, it expands into something beautiful. But I have the hardest time trying to, to drop my guard and my ego and all that crap. Um, but. Uh, so I'm the complete opposite. Yeah. So I shoot through the the freaking ceiling after the second glass and then i started and i was i'm always really quiet i'm always really respectful a lot of times when i'm in these circles i will leave the circle to go be by myself right everybody else sits in the circle because i don't want my my healing energy or or hurting energy to rub off on them and i don't want theirs on me so i'll leave a lot of times this time yeah i usually trip along yeah i really didn't have the opportunity to really go anywhere so i sat there quietly and i started crying and i'd never cried on ayahuasca up to that point and i'd done it like three or four times before this journey and so this time i started crying like silently and then the the guy that was running it um i believe his name was russell he said uh jeremy come up here and and right as he said my name, it hit me really fucking hard, bro. Like, <laughs> boom, right? And then I crawled all over there, and he said, "Kneel before me." And there's, and it, you always do it in a dark room with a candle lit, and they they play a lot of music. And he said, "Sit before me, brother." 
And I'd help these people out. I picked them up from the airport. I helped them gather all this stuff this week and gave them some good ideas about things. Right. And uh, he put his hand on my shoulder, and I put my hand on the ground. And as I put my hand on the ground, there was like a little three-gallon barf bucket next to me. It yeah. turned into a samurai sword, and my hands were on my ground, on the ground in front of me, and I was on my knees. And there, a samurai sword appeared underneath my hands. And Russell said, Jeremy, the war is over. You got to stop fighting it, man. It's done. You're Dude, such a good Dad. brother. And then, and, then, and then he told this lady, I believe her name was Juniper. He said, Juniper, sing him, I don't know what song it was. She sang me this song, dude. It literally sounded like a Japanese warrior song, bro. And I was up on this fucking snow-capped mountain in, in the middle of Japan as a samurai in a dojo, bro. And she was singing this song that that sounded Japanese. Later out I found out it was it was Incan or Peruvian or something like that. I mean, it was like mm. in a native Incan tongue or something like that. But yeah, bro. And I still think about that journey a lot now because I you know, like I sometimes feel like I I still haven't let go of the the the, the silent warrior that I'm supposed to, man. I don't know. You know, I, I, uh, it's funny because that was, you talked about, we talked about Vipassana and, and the psychedelics and that was, that's been one of the big things for me. And, and, uh, you know, psychedelics are by no means a, uh, magic button, but they will give you a roadmap and they will help you take you inside yourself and see why you're doing the things you're doing, why you're fighting the wars you're fighting. And, and that was one of the big things for me. And I think it was like day three at Vipassana that I had this, this realization in the silence that, that, and, and what they kept telling me on, on psychedelics, uh, and other occasions, those two events leading up to it, is that, that it, this, the, the war is over and this next chapter is about making peace. And, uh, and standing where I'm standing now, I can see how, how, clear that was and how even all the the stuff i went through in the, the these wars that i've fought since then have been different and about about making peace with with different the 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 shadow side you know yeah and i think that that warrior always exists and i think that you know if we're going to talk about like like a calling and stuff like that like you you definitely have a passion for this uh, uh, battle that you're you're fighting, and perhaps you you still need to be in that warrior mode because you're you're you know you're you're one. I think everybody's got a purpose or a passion or a goal or a, a and you're you're one of those ones who's on that mission to uh, to bring down the establishment. And while I agree it needs to be done and uh, things need to be exposed. Uh, the stuff that's going on in the world, but uh, also I I feel like uh, my job is something else. Yeah, you know what I mean. So so perhaps you need to be in that that warrior mode because it is a you know it is a 
you know, and that's, that's, you know, this life for you maybe, you know, but, but, uh, you don't have to be at war with yourself though is the thing. And that's, that's the thing that was the big, because I, I, I kept going. That was what I was talking about with the, the, the so-called demon chastising me for not even understanding what I was doing. And, and what I came to realize was that like all of these personality traits or afflictions or demons that I dealt with were all in some part or some way tied into things that I wanted or wanted to be or wanted to have in my life. And they're a, a shadow side of it. So like the obsessive compulsive stuff that drives me fucking bananas. And I have this fight with it and I fight with it all the time. And I would fight with it and I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. And I don't want to have this compulsion. And, and what it really comes down to though, is though that's the same thing that allows me to lock into a, a, a song and, and play the same song 500 times to write the words down to that just to have to get out. So it's, it's the shadow side of it. And when I made peace with it and just accept that I'm quirky and I have these quirks, and and I work with it. I'm not at war with myself anymore. This demon, these demons that I declared declared war on were not even. They were they were. They're not separate entities from myself. They were parts of myself that I was declaring war on. Yeah. And then and then realizing that when you stop even certain things, when you stop declaring war on it, it all of a sudden it stops being an issue. You, you, yeah. You stop fighting with that, and you stop it. it that clinging to an idea or, or, Oh my God, this is so, I can't give this up. And that, but, and I don't, I don't know. I got off on another tangent there, but I, I remember um, when you were going through that, you were, I wasn't talking to you all the time, but I would check in with you periodically, randomly. Sometimes I would randomly just show up to your house if I was in town yeah. and knock on your door to see if you were there or text you. Hey bro, I'm, I'm up your alley. Are you home? And yeah. yeah, you were you were you were going on a dark one. Was it me that told you to go do the vipassana? Yeah, you had been telling me for a while to do vipassana, and I looked into it a bunch of times, and there was always this wait list, and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah you know. Yeah. And uh, and then and then yeah, but that last that that last one, I remember. Well, it was because it was one of those times that I got pissed off at you too, because because. Uh, you know, you're, you're that friend for me. Like that'll shove your shit in your face. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all need that friend. We need that friend that's going to go, Hey man, you're, but I'll still show up and love you later. Yeah. You're fucking yourself in the ass right now. And, and these are, these are the the paths you can take either take it or quit bitching. Yeah. I think I did tell you that pretty much along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and, and that's, and that was, that was a big part of what spurred. I went in and I booked the Vipassana and then I talked about the psychedelics and doing all that stuff. So yeah, but you had been telling me about Vipassana for a while. I, you, you taught me about, uh, martial arts with the body. And I was trying to teach you about martial arts with the spirit. Well, I remember you used to come over and you would tattoo me and we would be listening to like Alan Watts and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I am and was, uh, I'm a weird one, man. And, uh, 
Yeah, and with the whole Vipassana thing too, that w- when I went and did it, it was I was at my wit's end, bro. I was having nervous breakdowns. I'd never had that before because I've always been mildly pretty psychic that I, I was trusting my intuition that something bad was going to happen, and lo and behold, nothing bad would happen, and I just realized, dude, you're having like crazy nervous breakdowns, bro. And you yeah. need to do something about this. Like, you lived a traumatic freaking life and upbringing. And maybe, you know, it's just been sitting in your subconscious and you got to do something about it. And I had PTSD. Right. I had post traumatic stress disorder. I took two online tests. I had every fucking symptom. And then I realized, dude, I got to find something. And then it was like a divine intervention. My buddy called me in the middle of a nervous breakdown after just leaving a Vipassana. And he's like, you don't sound good. I'm like, dude, I'm not doing good. He's like, well, that's why I called you. I just left, you know, this Vipassana meditation center, and you're one of the first people I, I, I thought of. And he told me about it, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm there. I'll do it. Give me the information. I contacted him. I went two weeks later. And after 20, 22 years of nightmares every night, no good fucking dreams, dude. Maybe, maybe if I got lucky, God might throw me a bonus wet dream every once in a while, right? Right. But it was like literally 22 fucking years of nightmares. And um, I remember on the fourth day, I had an emotional breakdown after not crying for years. And, and that year before Vipassana, I'd lost my job, I'd lost my girlfriend, and I'd lost my grandma who practically raised me. Didn't shed a tear over any of it, right? Yeah. Uh, but four days in, man, it was just like the weight of the world crumble off my shoulders and I wound up crying for like fucking uh, 45 minutes like I'd never cried before and then by the seventh night I was having flying dreams again which I hadn't had in over 20 years where I'm like flying you know it's like almost like swimming through the air where you could literally feel the wind wisping through your arms and your ear and it's crazy flying dreams if you haven't had one um I was having a weird squirrel dream. Somebody else, Chase, talks about flying in his dreams. I am lucky to remember my dreams. And I smoke too much weed. Yeah. Well, um, we don't deplete your melatonin. Bed. But hold on. Let me finish this story. I'll fucking go ADD on you. Full-blown ADD. <laughs> uh, Freaking. So I, 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 you know, seven days in, I, I stop uh, having nightmares. I leave. And I notice a couple weeks after, holy shit. You haven't had a bad day since you left that place. You've been meditating every morning religiously for an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. And then, because I hadn't done hallucinogens in years up to that point. And it, in fact, the last thing I had done was mushrooms. And uh, and then within a year, I was living in Hawaii, fucking drinking ayahuasca. Again, and you know hallucinogens too, past lives and uh, yeah. a realization of e- the eternal nature. That's a, one of the biggest things I get from psychedelics every time is that, and I love it because it's a certain feeling that comes over you when you... Oh, shit, I've been here before. You, yeah, but that realizing of the eternal nature, it's like, it's the most peaceful feeling when you're just yeah. like, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm part of all of this. Yeah. And, like, you know, I'm just this weird little alien on this giant rock. I'm co-creating with God. You know? I'm co-creating with God, and we may have been co-creating since the beginning. You know? Right? 
But yeah, that's one of my favorite things about psychedelics. You know, it's weird too, is uh, you're talking about like past lives and different dimensions and things like that. And there was this like, <laughs> I uh, I did one one of the times I did DMT. I went into this this one realm or dimension and and uh the, the the i don't know what they are the aliens there the beings the entities whatever they are yeah he's like oh we're gonna play the mr mindfuck game and so he was playing this game with me where he would i would see something and i'd think that i came down and i was like doing something up in my kitchen and uh-huh. then it would scramble up and i couldn't figure out if it was something from a past life, something from earlier that day, something that was about to happen or something that was happening right now. Oh, wow. And you're like, wait, 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 what's going on? Where am I at? Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. And this was in DMT land. Oh yeah. Yeah. I never got that. I never got to do it, man. Bro. It is every time it's like, it's the one of the most. It's one of my favorite experiences as a human, and every time it like it, and there's been a lot of times I've I've hit it and just gotten like sub breakthroughs, and it's still super fucking cool. But when you have a, a breakthrough, like a full breakthrough, it is absolutely probably when you cross the Rubicon, bro. It's uh when when you pass that Mason Dixon line, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it it become it's, I, like I can't. It's the most amazing, and you forget how amazing it is. Like even when I'm sitting here telling you how amazing yeah. it is and how I can't even put it into words, yeah. and then you get there and you're like, oh my god, I remembered it was amazing, but I forgot it was this amazing. Yeah, and it's uh, it's. You yeah, reminded uh, me when when you said right now that that feeling of eternal nature. Mm. That I that I right that. there was like the pinnacle of it. Like it literally at the at those moments when you're that lifted with that medicine or whatever medicine it is, whether it's you know ayahuasca, mushrooms, DMT. Um, when you're in that place, that's like it's literally the most uh, serene calm in life man it's 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 really it's indescribable because nothing matters anymore at that moment you realize oh shit that's right i'm here forever and this is just another passage this is just another page in this you know, biblical journey of my life, and I still have thousands of more pages to go, or millions of more pages to go, or. But it's you know all this shit that I've been stressing over is it's nothing, it's. It's all good, man. I've been through this before. Worse things have happened to better people. I don't know. I it's hard to it's I, impossible to explain unless you've been. Yeah, there. you really. It, you gotta it go there. Really. And for me, like the first time I did DMT after I got through, after I went through all the geometry and I followed the cat down the crazy hole and we just, they blew my mind for however long I was in there. And, 
at the end, I, I fell into this place and it was the first time that I ever had that feeling of understanding the, the vastness of all of it and the vastness of the universe. And it was just this open, limitless space. And then I hit this feeling and I always say that like the only thing that I could say that would describe the feeling was that it was like being held by God. It was like I could feel yeah. her hug me. And it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It always just haven't... made me feel, yeah, like I was, I was at, at one with the creator and at one with life itself, you know, just. Yeah, I think, uh, I think psychedelics are, are such a, uh, useful tool and such a uh i think man if you if and i guess there's you know i don't say everything's for everybody but i yeah. think if you're going to leave this human experience not having that experience you're missing out well another thing to that, that fucking i think too with like you know hallucinogens and stuff like you said earlier setting intentions is a really really um powerful way to uh to to guide and govern your journeys and um it's really important because if you're just going to show up to a rave you know smoke a joint and eat you know half an eighth of mushrooms and shit you're going to get maybe a good night out of it or a bad night out of it but i feel like you know setting the intentions and having respect for these medicines is what differentiates the men and women from the little boys and little girls, right? Well, and I, and I agree with that to, to a point too. I, I mean, I feel like there's nothing wrong with going to a festival and taking some psychedelics and partying and having a sure. good time, you know, and then people like, that's what, I, you know, just like I said, but I'm saying if you want to get else, the most out of it, but if you want to, if you want to, yeah, if you want to get the most out of, and it's like people talk about like, oh, I'm going to start with a small dose so that I can get a feel for what it's like. Yeah, kind of, but kinda. small doses of psychedelics and large doses of psychedelics are two different substances. Absolutely. You know, and uh, but yeah, if you if you want to get the, the most out of it, it's it's. Because psychedelics are all about intentions and they do have an intelligence. And if you're just there for a good time, then you'll get a good time. But if you're there for something more, man, they'll they'll give you something more. And uh, you know, you know what I love is now that the science is backing it up because all the major universities, all these places are doing all this fucking psychedelic research, and and across the board, it's positive. Well, here's the thing, and it makes sense that now they're they're doing all this because this whole goddamn shit show is sinking. You know what I mean? It's like they, yeah, they, well, they torture us for all these fucking years. Won't let us freaking go expand our consciousness. They want to police our consciousness. The war on drugs. Meanwhile, they're the ones bringing drugs into the fucking country. And now we get to this critical point in human history, and it's just like, oh yeah, man, yeah, go ahead and do it, man. Freaking, uh, we're about to bring this whole shit show down anyway, so might as well get these fuckers yeah. loaded. <laughs> they keep us from our like higher selves, and then. <coughs> Low and well, I definitely, I definitely feel like there's a major split going on in uh, people who are are just refusing to live in the facade anymore, yeah. you know. But I think I think a majority of people are just 
happy to be told what to think. And but I do feel like we're at the the you know every empire crumbles and we are the current empire and we have gone through all of the phases of a crumbling empire. And uh, so you know who knows, man. But yeah, I, I do think that it's a it's a really hairy time for humanity as a whole. That's for sure. Well, yeah, and and like I, I try to tell a lot of people too. I'm like, you guys, let's not just think about this COVID bullshit, this fucking scamdemic, uh, but let's take a look at you know pre-COVID. Like you know they were they were rioting in Hong Kong and France and Venezuela. I mean, shit was was going crazy all over the planet well, before well COVID. And this is regardless of how you feel about Donald Trump. I'm not a Trump fan. I think he's in the same billionaire club. I know he's not a politician, uh huh, but he's in the same billionaire club as as the rest of them. And and was he trying to take down the deep state? Yes, but I feel like that was probably a power play. He wasn't going to what take down the deep state and give us back the power. No, I don't think so. Yeah, um, I, I haven't figured that he, whole you know, thing out. It yet. Was, he he was he was trying to move move it in in his way, but. Anyway, regardless of how you feel about him and, uh, but everything that came with him, I call him Zaphod Beeblebrox because uh, if you've ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Zaphod Beeblebrox was like the intergalactic president and he was just this kind of off the wall character with these crazy two heads and stuff. Yeah. And, but, the intergalactic president had no actual power. His actual job was to simply distract the public from who has the actual power. Yeah. And I look at the president of the United States, whether it be Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, I feel like a lot of that role is just that. And I feel like while everybody was freaking out about Trump, 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 nobody could pay any attention to anything but Trump. So much shit happened right out it wasn't even it wasn't even under the radar yeah they just did shit oh yeah and nobody even fucking paid attention and 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 one of the prime examples is this whole pentagon release and this isn't conspiracy theory anymore this is a legit you can verify it fact check it yep. go through it was written in the fucking new york times the pentagon released a statement saying that we have a craft that we think is not from this world nobody's talking about this nobody's talking about this this guy who runs this private island who's a known sex trafficker who has been bringing all the most prominent people in the world to this island to have sex with slaves. Nobody's talking about this. You're talking about Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah. You know the Biden just, family owns an island right next door to his? People don't talk about that either. That's what I'm saying. Nobody's talking about anything but trump 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 yeah dude the mainstream media man you, you deal with that it's it's it, again it's zaphod zebelbrox or whatever the hell you said his right. name was it's that too yeah. and, and um i think um i think what's going on right now uh and i i always think you know it got to a point with hallucinogens where I just lived my life like I was on a hallucinogenic journey. That's kind of what I do now. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with everything. 
So I keep my mind open that at any moment this this journey can switch really quick. Um, it can it go does, from fractals man. to patterns to echo sounds or whatever. But um, what I think is going on right now is there's a lot of fucking brainwashed sheep that, you know, pop culture and television just entranced and... Uh, I don't know. I call these people new souls, or or, or NPCs, non-playable characters. Huh. Uh, so there's a bunch of those out there. You got these fucking elite psychopaths doing their shit, and they got people like us questioning our surroundings and our reality. But you've also got the creator of all things, or the Most High, working what he does too. And I think there's a an intersection and a convergence of all of these streams of consciousness. And we're all meeting to the point right now. And each one of us has a different agenda and a different goal and a different place we're trying to go. But I always say in the end, the creator of all things has his way. And um, what I think is going on right now is these elites that are clearly in touch with demonic forces um, and have been for thousands of years. And, you know, imagine how good we get at martial arts in 5, 10, 20 years. Right. Imagine how good you get at if you come from a bloodline where you're conjuring demons for 2,000 years. Uh, how good you get at that shit. You wind up in this place where we're at now with this chaos everywhere and nobody knows which way is up or down or left or right. right. And I think that these people realize that uh, there's going to be a massive intervention uh, uh, with a force they can't control, and they're control freaks. So they're trying to gain control over all of humanity because these guys already made their pact with the devil, man. They're going there, and they want everyone else to go with them. So I don't know if this is true, but this is my, you know, speculation as somebody who grew up in, you know, bad neighborhoods and jail and paid attention to my surroundings. I think that um, that 2020 is is going to look like a midget compared to a giant, which will be 2021, and um, that's when the fireworks are really going to happen. And I and I think it's it's definitely going to come along the lines of civil war. War with China, or both, and um, I can't figure out if this is a plan, you know, between the governments, or if it's really governments going to war, because we know that they're all members of these clubs, but yeah. um, you know, they've got, to, to my knowledge, I've heard now they've got like, you know, carriers, military carriers. You know, surrounding our our country now, our, our military is like like patrolling our waters. There's more like military operations going yeah. on outside of our waters now than than any time in recent history, right? And then yeah, you've got, there's a lot going on. Yeah, then you've got um, you have the the Mexican border, which was trafficking children, which we know is the currency of uh, of the elites, and and then you got you know, uh, the rights, the right wing is saying, yeah, America, we need to save our jobs. And the left wing saying like, oh, my God, racism. Oh, this is so racist. 
But really, what it is, in my view, is to, to I don't know if this is for real because, like you said, they're all part of the same billionaire club. I just don't think Donald Trump is in the same club as a lot of these guys. I didn't vote for the guy. I, you know, so my whole thing in the end is I don't give a shit if Trump or Biden wins. We're not going to escape our karma. Doesn't matter who the fuck's in office. Right. We're not going to. We're going to not going to escape the circus one way or another. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. yeah. This right. is a. This is a. This is a human karma thing. It's not a and, Donald Trump's going to save us thing. Um, and right now, it's, it's. I just prefer him over any president we've had in our lifetime. Like I said, I didn't vote for the fucking guy. Uh, but I, if if according to what you know, some of the rumors are, possibly they, that they were trying to solidify the border because China is in fucking Mexico. Well, now for the last uh, month and a half, I've been hearing uh, China's in Canada, like right, like forty five minutes above me in Victoria, and I've heard this on multiple podcasts, and I read it on a fucking in online somewhere too, and I'm like. Ah, okay. Well, I I do think, and see, I have I have several possible opinions, I guess, but I don't think that the Corona stuff has anything to do with Corona. Oh, absolutely not. I no think way. number one, keep us dumb, keep us separate, keep us scared. Yes. And number two, I think they got to be trying to lock things down. There's got to be something else going on. I think there's, you know, like I said earlier, it's an intersection. There's multiple things going on. I think our right. governments are warring. I think our parties are warring. I I think the world might be on the verge of warring. I absolutely agree with you. That's and and uh, and and hey, man, you know, you talk you talk about biblical stuff, and you yes. got to look at at the position of Donald Trump in the world. And look at what's going on in Israel, and and uh, that's that's supposed to be a, biblically that's supposed to be a huge turning point uh, when what, the fig tree bears fruit. What, 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 go ahead and tell us about that. Uh, God, I don't know which passage it is, but it talks about about uh, one of the signalings of the end times is when there's peace in Israel again. When the it's phrased is when the fig tree once again bears fruit or oh. when the fig tree bears fruit again. And Israel is the fig tree. Um, so, uh, you know, so peace in Israel could be, you know, combined with all the rest of the war that's going on in the rest of the Middle East. That could that, that's if you're, and I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not necessarily a Christian. I, yeah. I do believe yeah. in, uh, in JC and, and his mission as a prophet. Yeah, um, absolutely. But uh, but as far as you know, if you're in a th- you, you mentioned biblical stuff a lot. The Bible specifically talks about peace in Israel again when there's peace in this land again. Yeah. Being well, a- and and I was just I'm gonna I'm gonna make a fucking uh, I'm gonna kill two birds with one stone like like with that like the only way that they got peace in Israel was through chaos and pandemonium and slaughtering Palestinians and doing all this fucking horrible shit to other people. Right. To bring peace there. Well, here you go. America, well, we went around fucking torching the entire world, fucking doing scandalous shit. You know, you know, since the, our conception, what, did we think that that wasn't going to come to our shores one day? You know, what the fuck did oh, our grandparents that, think? You know, and, and the bottom line is all the governments do it, man. It's corrupt. The yes. entire system is yes. corrupt. It's, it's totally, and, totally corrupt. And, 
And, you know, so like, oh, the Russians fucked with our election. Yeah, and we probably fucked with theirs, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah. Like, We're angels. How dare they? We, we don't fuck with people's elections. We just go over and go in and, and, and topple regimes and bring in our own. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. Oh, you don't want to play ball? Watch this. And, you know, and yeah. that's just the, the, the world war game, man. That's the, the military industrial complex. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Poor America. And if you Russia's think, you know, been and, interfering with their elections. America's been so honest with the rest of the and world. Once, and once President Harris comes in, you can guarantee we're going back into Syria again. That and, well, we might be going into FEMA camps then. I'm, I I do worry about them rounding us up, and I say President Harris because I think Biden is just an usher. They knew oh, yeah. that it was still we we're He's still at a point where she, she, Camilla Camp, Camilla wouldn't have beat Trump. But if we get Biden in there and then oust him and get her, and I, I feel like she's the uh, supreme dictator choice. Well, I think um, I think too. The, it was the most massive election fraud in our history. I I personally believe that as an outside observer. Bro, they they showed us. Three times in the last election that everybody is fucking with everything. The Democrats got got Hillary Clinton and her fucking team got caught fucking not fucking Bernie. They got caught fucking with yeah. Tulsi. Yeah. They got caught and and her her big plan was to elevate Trump and bring him to the head of the Republican race so that she could beat him because she figured I'll definitely beat that guy. Yeah. So it was her fucking with the election that that brought Trump up. In the first place, and it backfired on her. Dude. And they, this is this is this is this is not conspiracy now stuff. Now I this know. Main, this it's out there. Yeah. The information's there. Look it up, and and then everybody and then and then you want me to play the game. Yeah. You know, no, I'm not playing the game. Yeah, that's what, group, that's why I've never. That's screaming. That's screaming. The last four years, it's Russia messed with the elections, and this people less with the elections. But now they want you to come out and go, oh, no, 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 this is totally secure. Nobody's messing with this election. Yeah. You can't mess with the election. What? Huh. Yeah. You've been screaming for the last four years that somebody must have messed with the election. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 I mean, it's, it's the writing's on the wall. But like you said, man, it's a global government thing, man. I, I think all I these totally guys agree. have been, they've been shipping cargo containers of children and women and men to, you know, each other's countries, you know, Hey, we got to ship in a little African kids coming here this week. Oh yeah. Ship them the freaking little white kids from over here, you know? And I think that, uh, dude, it's like man's, it's just gotten so ugly and we've been ignoring it so much, bro. You know, you know, for the last seven, eight, nine years, I've been posting shit about satanic pedophilia on my Facebook. Yeah, I used to have well, wars. You got me start looking at like Pizzagate and all that stuff. Wars on my page, right? Yeah, I'm a lost friends, clients, family members over that shit, and uh, you know, I'm I'm I don't really I don't even have to dive down that rabbit hole anymore because I already know, man. I'm like, what? You know, they've been doing this in every other century. Why wouldn't they be doing it in this one? Like, what? what because there's a television up there that has smiling faces. I'm supposed to not, you know, to agree that, oh, yeah, conspiracies are just a thing of the past. Huh. 
Well, that's the thing, though, and that's what I, again, what I talk about. At the end of the day, people are going to be people. Yeah. And, you know, I forgot who it was I was listening to. I think it might have been Alan Watts or something talking about, like, people don't actually want freedom because that's a lot of responsibility. Yes. You know, we allow ourselves to be told what to say, what to think, what to, what to buy and when to buy it. Yeah, it's really fucking crazy. You know, and at the end of the day, people go, oh, yeah, the whole system's fucked. Yeah, these people are all corrupt. Yeah, they're fucking us over. But they haven't taken this stuff away yet. And I got this cool new iPhone and I got this badass fucking Tahoe. And I got this fucking big ass TV. And so, you know, yeah, cool. Fuck it. Yeah, man, that's it. They, they just keep us baffled with bullshit. And, and you know, if I look back... Like, Wine and circus, man. Wine and circus. Yeah, if, if I look back, since you and me started becoming really tight, you know, 13... I don't know, I remember how... When we when you, you first started training me, what, I was like 32 years old, 33 years old, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. 10, 11 years ago. Frickin'... Yeah. Um, but, like, bro, I always had a nice pad and fucking, you know, nice things and a bunch of shit. But in between all, and still now, fucking got a killer pad. I got a view of the ocean. I can see over to Canada. Um, and I've got everything you could want, right? I'm not balling out of control, right? I'm, I'm renting. I don't own this fucking house. But I have right. everything I could want, dude. I'm sitting here in my living room next to a, a fire doing a podcast with an old friend on a fucking MacBook with a really nice mic and sound setup. You know, I've but in between all of this this material bullshit that I've acquired and had the luxury and privilege to have, I've never lost sight of the fact that we are 3D creatures. Uh we we, we are spiritual creatures having a 3D experience and there's a lot of shit going on on this planet right now that we need to uncover so that we can get to our higher selves. So I would trade everything I own in an instant for us to go back to living in grass huts, loving each other, you know, staring at the fucking sunset every night together, and maybe fucking doing hallucinogens with our our, our uh, tribal chief once a month, right? Wouldn't you give everything yeah, up for that? Yeah, I would. You know, you know everybody's again, uh, getting you know, along. That's you know, well, that's the utopian society idea, you know. But uh, but yeah, I would. I mean, and that's you know, and that's essentially you know, in today's world, it, you know, I mean, we're doing like today's equivalent of that. I think to some of us, to a point, like I come home, I've got a little creek outside. I sit, I chill, I play my music. It's about the only time I interact with society to play music for them. And then I go back in my cave and play more music. Ah, yeah. Yeah, man, and that's and that that is the path of the modern day um you know, spiritual warrior too, man. And and like Well, you gotta think like I think about and again I'm skeptical about everything that I believe, but some of the things that I've seen and some of the things that I believe I relate to certain ideas and, yeah. and I think that certain people are are bodhisattvas man and uh for lack of better terms or you know maybe that is the right you know and you think about it, you keep coming back until 
all sentient beings are free and we've we've if you're a bodhisattva that that means that you you turned down enlightenment to come back and and help humanity and well all sentient beings so wherever as far as that goes because i'm pretty sure dolphins would be considered sentient um but but so so I mean that's the the path of the the modern day bodhisattva. The Buddha doesn't come back into society. The bodhisattva does. And in order to be in society today, you have to have the laptop. You have to have the Mac. You have to have the, you know, and that because that's where society is today, and that's yeah. what's required. But the but the difference is if you stripped everybody of that tomorrow, some of us would be okay with that. Yeah, because we have a sense of purpose no matter what you. You know, right, right. What you put in right. front of us, bro. Oh, right. oh, I can't make music with a guitar. Well, shit, I'll fucking go make myself an earth drum or a rattle. And I've and I've stripped down to backpack and a guitar case and lived like that for extended periods of time and on peanut butter sandwiches. And I'm cool. That's good. I'm I'm happy with that. You know. So yeah. You know. And but but again, at some point. You got to go back into society if you're gonna if you're gonna help us all get home. Like that's what Ram Das says: we're all just walking each other home. Nobody really knows how this whole thing works. Hey. We're just all trying to figure it out together so we can go home. You know what's crazy is I I knew a lot of those guys from the Ram Ram Das uh, temple when I was living in Maui. I, I knew one of his students, Vishnu Das. And he was a really nice guy. I never met Ram. A lot of my friends did. I, I was never into all that. I never, I, I never really understood it. Um, I'm not saying I'm not dissing it or anything. I, but I, you know, I assume that he became a very prolific individual for a reason. Um, well, the big thing with with Ram Das and Tim Leary and those guys. The big thing with those guys is they were really more, and they got known to be about the psychedelics, but that's because of what the psychedelics do. And it was really more about exploring the mystery of consciousness, you know, and Ram Das got heavy into the Buddhist stuff. And I think Leary did too for a while. Um, but, but it, it's, it's really, and that's again, one of the things I love the most about psychedelics is exploring mystery of consciousness and a lot of times like even now like if i'm having a day or something like that i just start i try to start thinking like you said live like i'm on a psychedelic trip you know so i start to stop and i take a minute and i go like huh like that's right i'm just this we're all these weird little monkeys on this giant rock and yeah. then you start looking at everything differently again but it's exploring that mystery of of consciousness that that is the uh a lot of the ram das stuff that that trying to solve the human condition. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I kind of de- definitely agree with you when you said, you know, we just, <clears throat> we leave this dimension or realm and then we agree to come back to try and help humanity again, right? And, um, right. and <clears throat> like, when I look at, you know, our lives, like you and me have been able to live like fucking David Carradine in like Kung Fu theater a few times in our lives, right? Yeah. Yeah, you go off yeah. and do your music and travel. I go off and do my art and travel, right? Right. And, uh, you know, we've been very blessed. And, and you know. I got to say, I love that life. 
Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, some of the, like when I was going, you know, couch surfing and fortunately I know a lot of really cool people and, you know, a lot of people had, you know, spare rooms or comfortable places for me to sleep or whatever. I was really lucky when I, when I did my traveling this, this last time I did my traveling. Um, and I always had a cozy place to sleep and people always took care of me and they were good friends or, you know, and I'd make a, a ton of money tattooing them and their friends or, or whatever. But, um, you know, uh, I, I do agree that, and, 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 and I'm really grateful for my life, like being a tattooer and, 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 and all the stuff that's come with it. But I, I feel like a lot of tattooers for them, that's the pinnacle of their existence. That's like the ultimate rock star position in society. And for me, it's like, uh, you know, I can tattoo circles around a lot of fucking tattooers, you know, I, yeah. I, I can fucking, I can slaughter it. Right. Um, right. but at the end of the day, my life is bigger than tattooing. And I've felt like I'm here for a bigger purpose than I'm here. And I know that sounds like delusions of grandeur or whatever, but I'm very in touch with my intuition and my surroundings, as I've said several times. And, um, I just feel like I'm here for something more than tattooing and conspiracy theories and, and, and fucking, you know, training martial arts. I mean, there's a collective of all the above, right? You know, I find a way to make an impression on somebody's body for the rest of their lives. And then I train martial arts, which gets me centered. And, and then I talk about conspiracies, which may or may not wake some people up. But at the I end of the feel day, like there's, I feel like there's a, a, a lot of us that, have all these random things that don't make seem to make sense. And then, but when it, when it all goes down, it's going to be all real clear, real quick. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, like I have these, you know, dreams and I've I've always been, you know, I've always had this weird feeling that like, I'm going to at some point live in a post-apocalyptic society to some degree. Yeah, I had a dream about 10 or 11 years ago that men and women of all different nationalities were being mm-hmm. herded up into a canyon at like 3 or 4 a.m. by Chinese military. I, I could see it. I mean, it's happened in the past, man. And if there's one thing that we've proven, it's that humans will be humans. Yep. Humans will be humans. My, my, my whole thing at the end of the day is, is, and I wouldn't say I'm like this crazy devout Christian or anything. Like you said, you love Jesus Christ. I love Jesus Christ, Yeshua. And, 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 I, and, and my whole uh, thing is, is uh, I just hope like the, the, the good ending would be for a Messiah to return to earth, the Messiah to return to earth and unify everyone and get rid of this darkness, this, this evil this evil experiment that has plagued humanity since it was unleashed upon us, man. You know, like, maybe that's the way it always was. I don't know. What if if it's just that level of the soul's evolution that we have to go through is this this human experience? Yeah, could be. I've thought about that, too. It's a test. Not even a test. 
a uh, well. Think about think about the most trying things you've been through and the amount of spiritual growth that came from those things. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And so you think about the whole human experience, and to to get towards this side of things, Anya, it's uh, you know you think about different dimensions and and vibrational level and you simply what if this experience is to try and raise your vibration to the next level and this is where these utopian ideas come from or these ideas of a heaven or a hell and even you know even the, the even buddhism talks about that in the tibetan book of the dead um <clears throat> you know but but it's not not even necessarily as a test as much as <clears throat> just that necessary part of evolution just like we talked about even with psychedelics they can they can work miracles in your life but you got to let go and go you got to be willing to sit in the shit yeah <clears throat> yeah all, all the most prolific uh freaking revelations i've had have been me having a really piss poor time for a couple of hours before i surrendered yeah. or whatever and then the hallucin the medicine came in and did its work on me yep and it was the most amazing experience. I wanted to tell you, um, it's like, like speaking of like spiritual wisdom and like for you and me, we're gritty dudes. We've lived gritty lives. Uh, right. And um, we've, we've, and I, which I feel like too is like been our, our proving grounds. It's been our Thunderdome. But this, right. you know, Mike Tyson, as, as was when I was a kid, he was my hero because he was the most badass motherfucker on the planet. And now as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, no, he's my hero again because he's, like, the most spiritually enlightened. Yeah. Like I yeah, really, in a good place. Yeah. Well, he said, and this, and there's a lot of spiritual wisdom in this, talking about the most growth out of the most painful situations. Every Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yep. Right and, That's and true too. And, and yeah, I've and a on, lot of people won't. I've been on both sides of that coin. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people won't get the spiritual wisdom of that, dude. The reason right. why you have so much of society right now running around throwing tantrums on the street is because they never got fucking punched in their mouth. Maybe if they got punched Figurati in their mouth, figuratively or literally. Exactly. If they got punched in the mouth, they would understand. Hey. I'm getting manipulated by by a more sophisticated criminal mind than my own because I don't see these guys as protesters. I see them as criminals a lot of times, and they're being manipulated by a mind that's far more criminally sophisticated than their own. So, but if if, if you had to grow up in in a place like Chicago or Los Angeles where you 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 kind of got to understand the criminal mind, or you might get your ass beat or jumped or robbed or whatever, you learn real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I uh I feel like I feel like I've I've I look at everything going on and I feel like everybody's just caught up in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I feel like everybody's just caught up in the illusion. It's like that red pill, blue pill time. Yeah. And even a lot of people that think they're not caught up in the illusion that they they're caught up in the illusion. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah, 100%, yeah. man, and I and I have to check myself with that stuff too, man, because it's like 
you know, red pill, blue pill, it's like, hey, man, yeah, you can be in the ignorance is bliss blue pill world. Or you can be caught up in the constantly digging down this rabbit hole to, to uncover more and more and more and more darkness of right. humanity, man. And when you could be, you know, meditating or doing this or doing that and you're, you know, you're fucking, you're missing that other window, that other pill, you know, that green pill or that purple pill or that pink pill or that rainbow pill or whatever pill, you know. Because you're focused on the red pill, blue pill paradigm, and uh, right. and yeah, there is a a deeper meaning, man. Freaking, I I just I just did a three and a half day water fast the other day. I ate for a couple of days, and now today I, I'm I'm doing another fast again, just for this day, you know, all day, and then I'll wake up and I'll break my fast tomorrow. But I I decided that, um. You know, I want to break old patterns, you know, like any any vices that I may have, any vices that I feel right. like are overtaking me or destructive or whatever. And I thought, well, right. what, what better way to, than to, to train yourself to do that than to deprive yourself of the one thing that you do three times a day, which is eat. and um, Or jerk off. Or that too, bro. That's that's <laughs> this, this is an extension of that too, bro. I'm trying to do that one too. So, I I felt like, um, you know, I'm like on January first, dude. I'm 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 hitting this new year in a fasted state, and then I'm gonna try and do every other day fasts for as long as I can to see at least until my birthday, huh? You know, till the ninth. Every other day, just for the uh, just for the mental discipline. Well, the mental discipline, and I've been feeling like, I don't know, bro. Like, ever since they did the second lockdown, man, around L.A. time when I was down in L.A. recently, I just been feeling shitty, bro. I mean, like, I can't go to the martial arts gym. Um, my my gut's been hurting more, and uh, you know, I just I've been feeling a lot more lethargic. I've been more sleepy. And this last year, bro, I trained martial arts so fucking hard. We were sparring twice a week, you know. And on those days when we were spar, that's two hours right there. Go in, train for an hour, yeah. and then spar for another hour, right? Yep. And and so I, I hit it hard this year, right, at 44 years old. and uh, But for the last month, man, I've literally been like, fuck, dude, what's going on? Like, like you know, like. And I'm and I'm the motherfucker that's like, dude, I ain't going to the fucking doctor, dude. I'll I'll do what the ancients did, man. This is an organ issue. I need to right. eliminate something. I can heal this my fucking self. And a lot of people, oh, that's stupid. You could you science this and that. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck do you think they did in ancient times, dude? You, you eliminate something in your diet or you fast. That's it. I I still question whether you're gut problems are psoas related and muscular related and do everything constricting and squeezing everything in or if it has to do with whatever personal battle you your your whatever your life fight is i often feel like like i feel like sometimes my neck acts up when my brain starts wanting to do those old ways of thinking and, and yeah. acting out of fear and uh, so I often wonder with you, you know, you talk about 
the warrior and, and the fight and still being at war and how it's such a, a thing for you to let go when you do the psychedelics and whatnot like that. And I wonder how much of that is tied in with your gut. Yeah, absolutely, bro. I've thought that too. I, like particularly recently, the last couple of weeks, I'm like, man, you need to start going to bed earlier. You can't be staying up till one, two thirty in the morning anymore, man. You're getting old, brother. Uh, and I know age is just a number because everybody always tells me you do not look 34, right? But yeah, you know that doesn't matter when you're starting to feel it. And 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 like even like with with media and stuff, man. I'm trying to. You know, that's going to be another one this year, too, that I'm going to try and release, man. I'm going to try and not be on social media, like, damn near at all anymore. Uh, because I'm barely ever on there, man. I, I just can't do it. Well, they're, they're putting so much restrictions on it and so much, like, privacy violations now. I'm beginning to wonder if – and I already feel like if there's a list for people that are going to FEMA camps – I'm on it. Yeah, I'm already on yeah, it. Yeah, I'm dude. definitely on it already. There's yeah, no doubt. you know what I mean. Like, but <laughs> yeah, but in the same token, fuckers up. I'm on the list. But in the same token, they're 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 getting more advanced with their snooping and spying and access to yep. your phone and all this yep. other bullshit. And I'm just like, I don't know if I want to play this game anymore, man. I I and 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 I'm ready to like. You I know, use so social media to look at butts and guitars. <sighs> Ah, yeah. <laughs> I look at social media for screwing and tattooing. Right? There you go. Yeah, exactly. Freaking a man. Uh, ben, and then whatever, whatever ben, time we got left on this planet, I just want to spend it playing rock and roll. So, Benny said, uh, Benny loves to. He'll bring this up to me. It was like my 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 uh, MySpace header for years. It was. Uh, <laughs> um. It was uh, something like, uh, I I love martial arts. I, wait, I, I love I, I love art and martial arts, and 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 cracking jokes on my friends. If it ain't a fat ass or a tattoo, I probably ain't interested. <laughs> <laughs> that was like my header for years on MySpace. If it ain't a fat ass or a, or a tattoo, I probably ain't in interested. But man, yeah, what the fuck happened to MySpace, man? Why aren't we back on that shit? You got fucking tyrants like, you, you know, uh, Tom on MySpace never did us like Zuckerberg did. It's like we got, <laughs> we've all got fucking Stockholm syndrome, dude. You know, yeah. it's like society has Stockholm syndrome. It's like we love being abused and controlled, and and we love having fucking pedophile leaders and. You know, fucking presidents and politicians with the constitutions of serial killers. Like, we love it. Yeah, most of us don't even think that much about it. Well, you know, and I and I said to somebody, I said, well, who's sicker, these fucking pedophile serial killer politicians or this fucking society that loves being ruled by them? Yeah. Right? These guys are making up all our laws, telling us when we can and can't go to fucking work and 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 what we got to breathe through and shit and it's like people are eating they it up. Gave they're, us iPhones. they're backing them up too man i had some fucking bitch in the post office the other day try and tell me because i was wearing my mask beat on my nose she's like she's like you either need to wear that mask properly or stand further away and i was like i don't got to do nothing first of all i've got an issue i'm wearing this mask out of consideration for you because i don't even think this works 
And she turned around and glared at me, like looked like waiting for me to move back. And I just stood at her with my eyes open, like, "Bitch, get your fucking programmed ass out of my face, okay? I'm the wrong person to be trying to check about masks, cause I know about this shit." Well, if it doesn't keep sanding dust out, I don't know how it keeps coronavirus. Exactly, out, it's so stupid. It's it's just again weaklings, sheeplings. And it's sad, man. It re- it really is sad, dude. And 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 the sad part is a lot of these people think they have a firm grasp on reality, but none of these people have never tried their consciousness or tried their comfort zones, and they have hell to pay when shit starts going down. Because at least for people like you and myself, we expect something to go down. We're aware of what may go down. We're aware of who may be behind it. We may not know exactly when or how or exactly who, but we've got a pretty roundabout idea. Yeah. When shit goes down for these people that all think, oh, hey, if I just get this vaccine, it's going to go back to normal. It's like, yeah, they already locked you down. They forced you to wear a mask. They made you social distance. They told you you couldn't celebrate with your family. If, if you did all that shit and they didn't let it go back to normal, you think fucking sticking a vaccine is going to make it go back to normal? Fuck no. no. They're in for the rudest awakening of their life when this whole shit show starts crumbling. And they're going to be like, how did this happen? I didn't see it coming. Nobody told me. <laughs> yep. And we all oh, told you. We've been telling you for again, years. You got to go back. You got to go back and read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Because, again, there's this whole thing with the destruction of Earth. And they're like, dude, we, we, we warned you guys. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man, it's 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 when when it gets to that, it's again and like people like you and me and you're not as you're not as vocal as I am. But when you are vocal, you have these powerful things to say, bro. And you and that's why you and me have been homies for all these years. That's why when you were going through your shit show four years ago, I would check up on you. Hey, this guy hasn't jumped off a bridge yet, has he? Oh, shit, hey, Martin, how you doing? How you doing? Because you know, I, I well, I I I'm not. I'm not very vocal a lot of times because I feel like uh, I, I I try to process everything and I try to like because I've lived so many different lives in yes. so many different places and I've hung around with so many and I've always been mm-hmm. the type of dude like I'll find common ground with anybody and if you can find common ground then, then you can work with it as long as there's a conversation that can be had. And so I'm not, I'm not very vocal about it because I find that especially nowadays, but like most people just want to scream about something and I don't, I'm not going to get caught up in the screaming. Yeah. You know? So when I, when I talk and I do have something to say, it's because I feel like somebody's listening and, and, and wants to have a conversation about an opinion or an idea. Um, I don't get caught up in the yelling, you know, and, and the arguing and this and that. I don't try to convince anybody because I don't want to be convinced. I don't want to be trying to convince somebody trying to convince me of their ideas. I'm happy to hear your ideas. And if, if in your explanation, I decide I agree with you and you change an idea of mine, that's great. Yeah. But I don't want you selling me shit. 
and I'm not going to try and tell you shit. If you want to know what I think or I believe, I'll give you an honest opinion of what I think or I believe, you know? Um, but, uh, but the yelling and arguing and the, you're right, you're wrong. Eh, nobody really knows, man. Nobody, everybody can say they know this or they know that, or they think it's this or they think it's that, but nobody knows everything, everything we know about what this life is, why we're here, what's going on, what it's going to be, you know, every, everybody nine months ago, everybody knew they were going to have a job to go to next week. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know what I mean? So we don't, we don't know shit. All we can do is try and figure it out as we go. But, but in order to figure it out as we go and get to that. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth by a fake pandemic. Yeah. Oh man. So I don't know. I just think that, uh, I just think that I, everybody's just trying to be heard right now. So I just, all right. Well, there's a lot of shit to listen to, man, and a lot of the information's good information. A lot of it's fucking garbage, you know? I mean, yep. we are in, like, like Alex Jones, and I hate to do the cliche conspiracy theorist guy, but he has said and done a lot for the conspiracy community, but, like, like his, his company is called InfoWars. We are mm-hmm. in an information war right now. Absolutely. It's clear there's truth and there's lies, and most people can't decipher between the two of them and some can and and some of them are on the truth side and the truth could mean they want the truth about politics or they could be the truth about spirituality or the the truth about you know this disease or and the lie side could be they're either dumb and they don't understand that they're being lied to or they they don't care that they're being lied to or that they're supporting the lie and they're just that fucking evil and narcissistic or sociopathic so and there's a mil- million different narratives for a million different things. And um, for me right now, I just look at like my life's experience and what I've seen and what I've been through. And, you know, I see it also as not just an info war. I see it as a psychological war. And, um, Big time. and I know a lot about that. And you know a lot about that. And we can tell when somebody's trying to run game on us, when we're trying to get snowed. I mean... Think about right. how many times we've been in situations where we've been somewhere and we just get the hot chills over our body and we look and right. we just see a dude or two dudes that showed up and we're just like, okay, this ain't going to end good. I'm going to leave. You leave and yeah, then you I'm find out. out. <laughs> yeah, and then you find out later this motherfucker shot the party up or these guys jumped right. this fuck or raped this chick. I mean, I've been in that situation so many times and, it, oh, yeah. and we've you cultivated gotta, yeah. that. you got to listen to the gut. Yeah, That's, this, when I went to Venice, it was like that. Me and Nicole went to Venice, Italy, and uh, and we were supposed to spend a couple of days there. We spent less than twelve hours there, but it was just like everything. Everything about it was just like we're not supposed to be here. Like we shouldn't be here. And uh, I don't know that anything happened after we left, but it was definitely one of those weird like, all right, yeah, so let's boogie. So we we boogied out of there after like twelve hours and went to Rome. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I'm jealous. I've always wanted to go to uh, Italy. I made it to Spain. I, you were my buddy when I went to Spain. You remember that, right? Yeah. When I went to yeah. Barcelona. That was fucking incredible. And I just always wanted to go see Florence and Rome and Venice. I just thought, you know, or Naples. Italy's pretty awesome, man. But if you want to go to Italy, man, go to the Amalfi Coast. What a cool area. How long were you guys out there? Two weeks. 
Oh yeah, that's how long I was in Barcelona, man. That's a great amount of time to be in one of those places yeah. too. It's like long enough to uh, get you aware of what's going on around you and right. and, and that kind of right. lifestyle. Get your nose in the dirt a little bit. And, and 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 long enough for you to like you know develop an attachment or an aversion to that. And I and I just I loved Spain and I just felt so connected to it and. Yeah, I loved Italy, man. It's uh, Europe's pretty cool, man. It's it's uh, it's it's, it's cool. It's They're older than yeah. us. It's a different know? game. Yeah, they've been through it. You know, Europe's been through what we're we're getting ready to go through. You know, so. Yeah, and in in some ways they learned from it, and other ways they didn't. No. Yep. You know, because you, you, you look at places like Germany and, and England and France, and these guys are getting snowed again. Right? Yeah. It's like... Well, we're all getting snowed right now, yeah. man. It's a, it's, a global, it's a global snow job. Yeah, and I, I still haven't figured out, man, because I've, I've been under the uh, impression that every major war in our lifetime and before us has some deal of conspiracy and, and, of and planning. And then yep. I also wonder if, you know, some of these governments also weren't planning it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, like, so like with like, it's hard to say, you know, like was Germany and Russia really enemies or did they just do this massive false flag to get something done? I, I, I don't know. Right? I often think that as well. Like we're, they're all in it together. They're going, okay. So what we're doing, you guys are going to go to war with you guys over this, and and yeah, you know, it could be. You never know, man. That's uh, that's uh, man. I don't know. I just want to play rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it simple, stupid. Hey, but in in our in our fucking uh, experiences is fucking kung fu theater. David Carradine, bro. Fucking. Uh, that's it, man. You want to play rock and roll. I just want to do art. I, I, actually, that's not true. I, I really, at the end of the day, I really want all of humanity to realize their true potential and how much they can accomplish and get done in their lives if they just work a little bit harder in different areas, man. Like, you can make such amazing shit happen and what you want is what all the prophets and bodhisattvas have wanted that's that's why you keep coming back oh, shit. you know i mean even nietzsche talked about it thus spoke zarathustra thus spoke zarathustra that book is about exactly that and then there's a, a much more simple book called illusions about a guy named Donald Shimoda who came to earth as a prophet or a messiah and quit because he realized that people don't want to know the answers to the universe. They just want to see miracles. Yeah, there's that too, man. There's that too. Yeah, they, I mean, even, even like, like, let's say allegorically, the Bible, Christ showed up. He starts showing all these people miracles, healing people. And they still crucified him. He's like, what more do you want from me? I proved everything to you guys. My Instagram says Donald Shimoda. Who's Donald Shimoda? 
He's the one I was just talking about in that book who quit being a prophet because he realized people don't want the answers. They don't, yeah, you know what? And, and by miracle, they may just want that smoke and mirrors. They just want that quick fix, dude. Yep. Everybody wants that quick fix. Bro, I love you, dude. I'm so glad we got to do this. I got to I I I cut too. out soon. I cool. want to do it again. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know me. Yeah, man. Fucking uh, everything's good out in, in, in NC. Dude, I love I love it here. North Carolina? Yeah, I love it here. How's the, how's the nature out there? Is it beautiful? Oh, it's fantastic. I got a creek in my backyard. We get deer in the morning. We got a groundhog. Awesome. There's supposed to be a bear, but I haven't seen him yet. Is there? Is Are you near the swamp or anything, or is there swamps in North Carolina? Um, not around by where we're at. We're like almost almost East Tennessee. We're just outside of Asheville. Oh, right. Um, but uh, yeah, I've got a creek that runs through my back. Well, I guess it's a yard. It's There's no fence, and then it backs up to like some mountains and shit so it's yeah it's pretty like i have neighbors but i can't throw a rock and hit their house oh you're lucky i i, I had a fucking i had a creek it was actually a river this wide river when i lived in Kauai, running through my backyard in yeah. kilauea and it was incredible and i just i love it i open up the window at night just to crack so i can hear the the creek yeah you, we could do that at our house too um yeah i love it I yeah, it. it's it's pretty amazing too. All the ugly shit we saw and all the beautiful shit we saw, bro. Started at oh, the bottom, know. now we're here. It's uh what's that uh that Hunter S. Thompson quote? He says, uh the purpose of life is not to arrive safely at the grave in a pretty and well preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside, totally used up and thoroughly worn out, screaming, Wow, what a ride. That's a good one. I uh that's a good one, man. That is one of his gems. I would not say I'm the biggest Hunter S. Thompson fan for personal reasons, but he has said some brilliant shit and I did enjoy that movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed that experience. Oh wait, never mind. Um, yeah, exactly. There you go. Well, hey man, I love you, dude. Loathing. Thanks for doing this. Right, I will uh, I will text you this episode as soon as it's up. Cool. Thanks for having me on, man. Hey, you got it, man. You take care. All right. Peace, buddy. Guys, thanks again for listening to Esoteric Gladiator, the podcast where I try to challenge all paradigms and open your mind to different fucking thinking and shit like that. Um, And, you know, it's crazy because, like, I don't have all these fancy guests coming on, but, you know, like I, I've always said, like, the the people that I know, I got a crew of really weird artists that I know. A lot of my friends are just really crazy, bizarre artists, and they're fascinating people, and I feel so blessed to have these kind of people in my life. And, uh, you know, so these are the kind of people I'm going to bring on, man. Uh, you know, I'm not Joe Rogan, and uh, I'm just, I'm here to uh, to question things, and to try and bring ideas to people in in a time where shit's really confusing. Not that shit wasn't always confusing on this planet. It has been. But, um, you know, I really appreciate you guys listening. And I would really appreciate if you guys left me a, a positive comment and, and, and a five-star review or, or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, share my podcast with friends or whatever. Um, 
I'm not making money off of it. That's not why I started this endeavor. In fact, like I say, I've lost money on it. But again, it's an art project, and I, I, I've lost a lot of money on art projects over my life. I don't ever look at it as losing anything. I look at it as me having the luxury to try and create something new. So that's what this is about. It's not a financial endeavor. Um, it, it's, a, it's a spiritual and creative endeavor. So if you guys could help me out with, you know, positive feedback um, uh, and, you know, share my, share my work. Thank you, guys. I wish you nothing but love, healing, and truth.